see your faces. Uh, is the microphone on? Check. Check. One, two, three. Check. Not on. Okay. Got it. Okay, there we go. I can hear it coming on now. Well, it's still not very good. Hello? Hello? Test one, two, three. There we That's a little better. Okay. Good, try that again. Good morning. I assume everyone's had a great week and ready to start a brand new week worshiping God and honoring our creator, the creator of the universe, the one who sustains us, gives us life, gives us purpose, gives us mission. If you're visiting with us, we're grateful for your presence and we ask uh, once again that you, if you haven't already done so, get one of those cards in the back of the pew in front of you and fill that out and you can give it to me in the back there or there's a couple little uh, black receptacles there you can put that in or uh, we really would appreciate having a, a record of your attendance here with us. Uh, we're not a perfect church because we're full of human beings, but we do serve a perfect Savior. He's the head of the church. Sometimes we do things really well. Sometimes we don't do things so well, but we're committed to serving Jesus until the last days of our lives or until he comes back. And we want you to be a part of this uh, spiritual family. And God wants you to be a part of the spiritual family. You know, Jesus died willingly on the cross to pay for our sins so that we could live with God forever. And uh, so it's so important. So if you're not a Christian, but you believe that Jesus is God's son, that he's, God has come in the flesh, and you're willing to make him the Lord of your life and let him take charge, and, and, and you're repentant of not letting him be first in your life, and you're willing to confess him publicly and to be united with him in baptism, we can help you do that today. You can become a Christian, walk out of here with your sins forgiven. You can receive the gift of the Holy Spirit as a, a seal of God's promise, of God's possession. Your name will be written in the book of life and have a, a wonderful life now, not without problems, but a way to face your problems and looking forward to a problem-free eternity in heaven with God. So. Uh, we're going to stand in, in a few minutes and sing a song, and we'll just invite you, if you want to make that decision, we'll help you in every step of the way, and we'll encourage you, because we realize it's kind of scary. It's something you've not done before, and especially maybe coming in front of people, but it's a way you can confess publicly that, yes, I want to be a follower of Jesus, and I want to do His will, and so we're here to help you uh, if any way that we can. Okay. Uh, Turn in your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 6. Proverbs chapter 6, and I want to read the first six verses of, of this book of Proverbs. The, the book of Proverbs is an interesting book because it's full of a bunch of many sermons, many Bible lessons, life lessons that can help us in this life. Um, you know, Everybody wants to be happy, and God wants you to be happy, but there's only one way to be happy is when we submit to God's will because He created us, He knows how we function, He knows what's best for us. And so here in the, in the book of Proverbs, uh, we have a lot of little life's lessons. Now, these are Proverbs, which means that uh, life is not science, life is art, okay? Things don't always work out right because people are sinful, people are illogical, People are maybe more emotional than intellectual at times. And so uh, the Proverbs reveals to us a bunch of truths, but because of human 
in a reaction, sometimes these things don't always happen, work out like they should. But here in Proverbs chapter 22, beginning in verse 1, the Bible says, A good name is to be chosen rather than great riches, and favor is better than silver and gold. Uh, probably in the world that, that you might think, no, uh, but it is. It's real important what, that we have a name that people respect and trust and, and a name that honors God. In verse 2, the Bible says, The rich and the poor meet together. The Lord is the maker of them all. And so nobody, uh, maybe uh, in the past here in this country, we've struggled with racism. Uh, but all throughout history, probably hasn't been as much racism as have been class uh, prejudice. The rich didn't like to be with the poor. And I know from a personal example in Brazil, a lot of the poor don't like to be rich. We don't have so much problem with races because we don't know who's black and who's white. Everything's just, but there is a definite uh, difference between the rich and the poor. And there's that uh, prejudice that goes on there. But the Bible says God makes all of us. It doesn't matter skin color or financial status. We are made by the one Lord and maker of all. And then verse 3 says, the prudent or the wise sees danger and hides himself. But the simple go on and suffer for it. Okay? Uh, it's a wise thing to do. A wise person sees trouble and stays away. Uh, I've seen people you know, see maybe an alligator along a beach or something and go up and think they can go up and pet it. And you've seen these videos where they get surprised or maybe some kind of bear going through their garbage up in the mountains and stay away. Verse 4, the Bible says, The reward for humility and fear of the Lord is riches and honor and life. Verse 5, Thorns and snares are in the way of the crooked. Whoever guards his soul will keep far from them. Okay, so if you care about your life, about your soul, your eternal destiny, stay away from trouble. Stay away from things that are not pleasing, honoring to God. Now, verse 6 is what I want us to focus on this morning. And uh, it looks like it just kind of comes out of the blue, as, as I've been as stated, that Proverbs is a collection of many lessons, many sermons. And so verse 6 says, Train up a child in the way he should go, even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Train up a child in the way he should go, and even when he's old, he will not depart from it. Now, once again, Proverbs are generalities. These, this is what normally happens, but they're exceptions. If you go through the Old Testament, even David or Solomon, uh, and all of our, a lot of our major heroes in the Old Testament, very few of them had children that remained faithful. And I'm sure that people tried. And so just because you may have a child or a grandchild that hasn't been faithful or hasn't embraced the faith doesn't mean you haven't done your part. Uh, life is complicated. People are, are individuals. Every one of us is responsible for God. Uh, the son doesn't inherit the iniquities or the sins of the father nor of his righteousness. Uh, the Bible tells us that. And so... I want us to, to talk a little bit this morning about how we can pass our faith on to our children. How can we do that? Um, and you may think, well, uh, why would that be important for me? My children are already grown. As a matter of fact, I have grandchildren. Well, 
you can help your grandchildren. And you're still a, a spiritual example and a force even in the life of your grown children. I've seen many times where children have fallen away, but once they have their own children, they kind of wake up and say, hey, I, maybe I don't care that much about me. I just don't take care of myself, but, but I, want the best for what my, I want the best for my children, not just the better schools or, or an easier lifestyle, but I want my children to be right with God. I've, I've had those seeds planted in me. I know that much to know that my child will be better off if he serves God. So even if you children have, have gone on and, and moved on, or maybe you have grandchildren, there's someone you can help. The Bible says that the older women can uh, teach the younger women. Uh, and then maybe you're a young person yourself and uh, you, you're struggling with faith. Well, we're going to talk about eight ways that we can help our children develop into mature followers of Christ. And so I want to share those with you and then the lesson will be yours. First of all, we need to understand that God expects us all to help our children develop faith and develop into faithful followers of Jesus, okay? It's not just for the moms and dads here of the congregation. Everyone is a part of this community. We're all here uh, to help one another, to encourage one another. That's God's design for the church. We're one big family, and uh, of course, some of us will have more influence on your children than others, but certainly the Bible teachers here will have a big influence on your children. Those that organize our VBSs or our, some of our youth activities, uh, the RISE group or the youth group, uh, all of this combined will make a major impact on the spiritual lives of your children. And so uh, we need to realize that, that God has given us that responsibility. It's not an option. It's not, well, that would be a good thing, but no, we all have to do our best in order to pass our faith, in order to instill faith in these young children coming up. Uh, there have been studies that have been made that, that say that children can actually develop into full faith, not full maturity, but a full-fledged faith in God by the time they're nine years old. Uh, children don't have experience, but they have a lot of intelligence. You know, if you get uh, having a problem with your cell phone or something, just call one of these little kids. They'll, they'll figure it out for you, right? So children uh, are very intelligent. They're just not experienced, and they're not mature, but, but they're, they're open to absorbing uh, God's truths. And they haven't been hardened by sin in their lives to where they reject plain truths. Now, if we don't get together and help these children, who, who are going to do it? Uh, we're going to wait for the government to, to help our children to come faith in God or their schools or things? It, of course not. So we have a collective responsibility to help our children. Ephesians 6.4 hones in on the fathers, the parents. Do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Okay, so First uh, Timothy 5.8 says that if anyone... Uh, Sees, if we don't fulfill the needs of our families, we become worse than somebody who doesn't even believe in God. And their major number one uh, need that our families have is, is, is faith and to understand God's will and, and to be brought up in that environment. Uh, it says, no, don't provoke your children to anger. I, I, over the years, I've noticed some parents become more like an older brother or an older sister to their kids rather than mom and dad. And they kind of fuss and fight and even cut down their own children. I, I've seen that, and that's terrible. Uh, and, but we need to be lovingly disciplining and teaching, instructing our children. 
Titus 2 says that older women likewise are to be reverent in behavior. You know, your example is going to say a lot to these kids. Not slanderers or slaves to much wine. I remember as a child somebody's talking bad about somebody, an adult, either to me or I overheard it, and how that affected me and how that made me, I didn't know anything about it or understand about it, but I know I didn't like that person. They were talking bad about it. So we need to be careful with, even with the things we say and how we say that and what we do. And, and it says that they're to teach what is good and so to train young women to love their husbands and children. So you older ladies, uh, you might think this lesson's not for you. Years ago, uh, I was talking with Miss Flossie Hardiman. She was probably in her upper 80s at that time. She was living in an assisted living there in Henderson, Tennessee, one of the descendants of N.B. Hardiman. And she said to me that, you know, every morning they would have devotional. One of the preacher students would come over and give the devotional. But one day, one of these preacher students came over and started talking about abortion and adultery. She says, I got up and went and watered my flowers. <laughs> well, but this lesson it, it does mean something for you, okay? Older women are to teach young women how to be mothers and uh, wives. And in 2 Timothy 2, <clears throat> verses 1 through 2, Paul's writing to Timothy, who's a young evangelist. He calls him my child because Paul's his father, father in, like a father in the faith to him. He says, you then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus and what you've heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. And so it's God's design that men teach other men that are going to be able to learn from you and teach other men. It, it goes on just generation to generation. So that's a very important responsibility God has given to us as his church. A second way that we can help our children develop into mature followers of Jesus is and it's probably the most important thing that is that I, I can do is to lead, to lead my children to faith, is to be a model of what God wants from us all, to be, to be an example. Uh, children absorb values and attitudes and even desires and, and passions from their parents. Um, growing up, my father always liked automobiles, uh, especially antique automobiles. And, I absorb that, and I don't own one. I'll probably never have one, but I always like to look at antique automobiles. Uh, Becky learned from her mother a love of flowers, and uh, I, I don't even notice some of these flowers sometime. And, and uh, Becky called home when she was at a ladies' retreat. Did you water the flowers on the table? And I looked over at the table. I didn't know there was any flowers on the table, and they were kind of down. Uh, not yet. <laughs> But anywhere we go, Becky notices flowers. She takes pictures of flowers. Well, she learned that from her mother. And now our daughter loves flowers, and she plants flowers around the house. And it's just a natural thing. So if we love the Lord, if we're serving God, if we're doing what's right, not that we're perfect, but no Christian's perfect. And the children need to learn that as well, that, that we're going to struggle, but we're going to try to grow and grow together. So be an example for your children. 2 Timothy 4.12, Paul writes, he says, Let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. So everybody, even, even young people need to be an example for other young people or for children or even for the adults. He also says in verse 16, Keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching, 
persist in this, for by so doing, you will save both yourself and your hearers. And so it's so important that we live the life that God wants us to live that, that pleases Him and, and be a blessing to our children. Number three is give your child solid biblical teaching. Now that should go without saying. It's like, well, duh. <laughs> but it's true because they're not going to know. The things that we know, we've heard, but maybe we assume that our children know. But that's not true. We need to teach them the, God's plan for salvation, God's plan for the church, uh, just all of the, the teachings of the Word of God. And we don't have to wait till they become mature adults to teach these things. They, they, they can absorb just tremendous amounts of information as children. Uh, they're very intelligent, and these things will stick with them. Uh, Peter says, but in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. Who are more inquisitive than children? Dad, why do we do this this way? Mom, well, how come this is? And so we need to be prepared to be able to share that with them, but to teach them. And so that goes into their minds and their hearts because in their schools, they're not just being taught reading, writing, and arithmetic. I wish that were true, but they're being indoctrinated in Satan's ways a lot of times. Obviously, not at a Christian school, but, but in the world today, it seems that teachers are more uh, concerned about you understanding the confusion of gender identity and, and just all these sort of absurd things. And we know that's true, that it's going on. And if you follow the news, it's just exaggerated. Children can already learn uh, to be able to teach people how we can know that there's a God, how we can know that the Bible's from God, how we know Jesus from God. We can teach them apologetics or Christian evidences. I appreciate our VBS that we had last year and we've had uh, on apologetics and Christian evidences, but it doesn't need to just be once a year. We need to continue to make sure our children are firmly uh, grounded in the Word of God. Number four, uh, we need to help our children to nurture, or we need to help them nurture their inner lives, okay? It's not just enough to know all the facts of the Bible. How, how old was Methuselah when he died? And uh, how many animals went on the ark? And just, uh, you know, those are important things. I'm not saying they're not, but they need to also have the principles instilled within them and learn to, to love God and to reach out to God for their needs and for their prayers. Uh, I, I've, I know of families that, that uh, whenever they hear a siren, they might stop their car to pray, or at least they pray in the car, not maybe the one that's driving, close their eyes, but, or, or they'll, they'll take, uh, maybe have a basket, this one family, they have a basket on their shelves there, and anytime something's prayer has been answered in their lives, maybe somebody w became well, or somebody was able to, to buy some property or graduate from school, they would write on a little stone that they would put in that basket to be a reminder of how God has been taking care of them and uh, been active in, in, in their lives. And so we need to nurture uh, the, the spirituality of our children as well. Talk about God openly. When, when you receive a blessing, never say, we were lucky. No, Christians should never say I was lucky. Christians always say, God bless me with this or that. Okay, all good and perfect gifts come from above. 
Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 8 says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Uh, so we need to uh, constantly, continually, not just, if we expect our children to grow spiritually just by coming to kids sing in an hour Bible or 40 minute Bible class twice a week, it's not enough, it's not enough. So daily our talk of God's goodness should be a part of our lives. Number five, uh, we should build relationships with other Christians of outstanding faith and spend time with them in Christian service. Who we run with will influence who we are. And I know it's important that we reach out to those who are not Christians. We need to, to you know, share the gospel. We need to be a light and salt in this world. But, but also our, our, our children need to be very close with families, and other Christians that, that love God with all their heart. The Bible says, do not be deceived. Bad company ruins good morals. And take it from me, I know what that is. <laughs> and if, if, I'm sure I'm not the only one here has, has done that. It's just the outside influence is so much in your schools and your universities, your work, uh, and, and just our, our social media. So be very careful with whom your children run with. Number six, to help our children become mature followers of Jesus, we need to focus on their potential. Uh, when Jesus chose those 12 disciples, those apostles, they probably weren't the, 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 the most shining example of faith. Uh, they were Jews, uh, but uh, probably they were pretty rough around the edges. We see John, James and John, sons of thunder. I think they probably got that from being pretty rowdy. Peter, we all know how Peter was. <laughs> Uh, even attempted to chop off Malchus's head once. He missed and only got his ear. This is a pretty rough bunch, but Jesus could see the spiritual potential in them. And so your children are not going to be perfect. They're going to go through adolescence and their teenage years, uh, but don't give up. Keep plugging away. Keep doing your job. As a matter of fact, we see mature Christians struggling. I won't go through because of time. Well, I won't go through and read all this, but there was a time when Paul had to call Peter out. Peter was acting one way, eating with the Gentiles, but when the Jews showed up, he changed. He was different. And Paul said, that's not right. You need to treat everybody equally. And, he, and it got so bad that even Barnabas was led astray by Peter's hypocrisy. So we're all weak. We're all sinful. And we're all struggling. None of us are perfect. But we're going to bind, bind ourselves together and serve God with all of our hearts. Number seven in order to help your children develop into mature followers of Jesus. Remember, it's God who gives the increase in faith and spirituality. You know, God calls us to do our part, do all we can, be an example, teach, talk about, praise God, bring them to church. But in the end, each child will make their decision as they're growing up. Uh, 1 Corinthians 3 says, What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you believed, as the Lord assigned to each. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. 
So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything but only God who gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. And so we're in partnership with God, helping people to be transformed. And so we do our part, and certainly God will bless our activities, and his, his word will take hold in the hearts and lives of our children. Romans 10, 17 says, How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they've never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. But they've not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what has he has heard from us? Verse 17, pay attention. So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. So maybe you're not spending enough time reading God's word out loud as a family or, 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 or you're very sporadic, inconsistent in your, your attendance and you're not uh, letting your children get the full force of, of the faith that's produced with God's word. And so remember, God is the one that blesses us, but certainly we have to do our part. And then last of all, uh, in order to help your children develop into mature followers of Jesus, pray. Pray for your children, your children's friends, your children's teachers, and even your children's future spouse. Something we prayed for ever since our children were little. <laughs> Except for our son Lucas, he was pretty young still, but he said, Mom, I don't want to get married. And she said, well, why not? Well, because you have to have children. And the only child he knew was Vanessa, his sister. <laughs> and she says, well, you don't have to have children if you get married. He says, you don't? I said, no. You know, well, I want to get married. <laughs> so be praying that when your child grows up, they'll marry the person who will best help them to get to heaven. And God's working on that life. Pray that God's working on that life and that child. Even though it may be 20 years now, you'll, you won't meet them for 20 years, 10, 15 years. But pray for their friends now their teachers, and their future spouse. Okay, Ephesians chapter 3, the, look at the power of prayer here. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Let's stand and sing. The Lord in the light of His Word While we do His good will He abides with us still and with all who will trust and obey. Trust.
trust and obey, for there's no other 